creed? There we go. <laughs> Let us confess our faith as we say. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate with a virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I have been given the task today to talk about blood, and more in particular, the blood of Jesus. The idea of Christ's bloody sacrifice is offensive to many modern sensibilities. We feel perhaps that we have advanced culturally beyond such rituals. However, a moment's pause and we become aware of the myriad ways that we still sacrifice each other, using people as scapegoats for our own guilt and wrong. Mass shootings and the killing of unborn children are obvious examples, but there is also the example of the Edmonton Oilers manager, who threw his player under the bus, citing him as the cause for yet another abysmal season. And my new favorite, the banning of Jordan Peterson's books in New Zealand in response to the mass shootings. In many ways, we are not any more advanced than the pharaohs who came before us. And it is into this propensity to sacrifice one another that we are to hear the words the blood of Christ shed for you as good news. Perhaps the best way into talking about blood this morning is by way of a little autobiography. I grew up in the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church, which means, among other things, that I am used to talking about the blood of Jesus. Even though we only had communion once a month, 
There was never any question as to what our gathering together around grape juice and saltine crackers was about. One of the most prominent ways we learned about this, were catechized, if you will, is through our hymnody. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And one of my favorites, now rarely sung, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. What we learn from the tradition of hymnody is that blood is an image that refers to the entirety of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. These imaginative images found in song and poetry are not about the hideous mess and horror of blood, as some might suppose. Rather, the blood of Jesus is understood by my grandma and grandpa and mother and father for its effects for what Jesus Christ achieved for us through his death and resurrection. And this motif of sacrifice, specifically blood sacrifice, is central to the story of our salvation through Jesus Christ. Without this theme, on which the hymnody of old is based, Christian proclamation loses much of its power, becoming both theologically and ethically undernourished. To see how central it is, just take a few examples. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood, Acts 20. For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, making peace by the blood of his cross, Colossians 1. You know that you were ransomed, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 1 Peter. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Hebrews 13. There is not time this morning to expound upon all the complexities of Christ's sacrifice for us. So I will limit myself to what I learned in my childhood. 
The first is that if we want to understand what Jesus' blood means, we have to take sin seriously. To those who are offended by Christ's sacrifice, we do well to hear St. Anselm who would reply, you have not yet considered the weight of sin. Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none who is righteous, not even one. All of us are in this sin thing together. The person who killed the Muslims in New Zealand, you and me, there is no difference. And the cost of our sin, scripture tells us, is death. The other part of sin is that it cries out for justice. It is not enough to say, mistakes were made, I didn't mean to, or my personal favorite, they were just being human. Sin has consequences. An episode of the Andy Griffith show called The Case of the Punch in the Nose playfully gets at this reality. Barty Fife discovers an unsolved crime, which means that just desserts were not meted out, and so he endeavors to get to the bottom of things. In the process of doing so, however, he only makes things worse and starts a cycle of blaming and people punching each other in the nose. Barney's passion earns him the title of being a nut. But truthfully, Barney represents all of us because he knows that a handshake and a free shave, the eventual resolution, is not enough. A point that is proven when he himself gets punched in the nose for trying to investigate things further. That sin and its consequences need to be taken seriously brings us to the Old Testament sacrificial system in which Christ's own death is rooted. The sacrificial system reminded the people of God of the weightiness of their sin. Through this system, we learn that dealing with sin costs something. That something is the shedding of blood. This is what the writer of Hebrews is referring to when he says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. In this system, there was a correlation of the value of the offering to the gravity of the offense. Greater transgressions required more costly sacrifices. This correlation of value is something we know all too well. We hate it when people get off with light sentences for committing great crimes. The truck driver that hit the bus of the Humboldt Broncos hockey team was sentenced to eight years in prison this week. Is that enough? Is there a sacrifice valuable enough to compensate for the victims of the New Zealand shootings? The answer, I hope, is obvious. 
there isn't. Although the sacrificial system was a grace from God, so that the people of God could cleanse themselves from sin, it wasn't enough. They had to keep doing it over and over and over again. They couldn't get to the bottom of and put an end to human sinfulness. What it did do was point towards and prepare God's people for the ultimate sacrifice that would not fail, the self-offering of the Son, Jesus Christ. Fleming Rutledge summarizes well when she says, one of the simplest ways of understanding the death of Jesus is to say that when we look at the cross, we see what it cost God to secure our release from sin. And in terms of what this means for us, we need look no further than our own prayer book, the 1662 one, or 1962 rather. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for thee, preserve thy body and soul unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for thee, and be grateful. Be grateful. That is our response. Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, took our guilt and our shame. He paid the ultimate price, and so we do not need to keep sacrificing and putting it on one another. Christ died once for all means that we do not have to work to atone for our sins or the sins of another. We simply need to witness to this wonderful gift and pronounce the reality that has already taken place. In fact, when we try to work off our guilt or pay for our sins by doing good things for the church, we simply make the church a mechanism for atonement. We who are the church are a community of sinners who have recognized that we are forgiven in Christ. And as such, we do not need to sacrifice one another. As the writer of Hebrews says, our consciences are cleansed from dead works to serve the living God which is why we have all the great hymns that we do. And since poetry and song tell this good news best, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood Lose all their guilty stains Lose all their guilty stains Lose 
he stands. And sinners plunged beneath 